scripture reading today is from John chapter 19, verse 30. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Our second scripture reading is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 to 14. And following the reading, there will be a time for silent reflection. Listen to what the words tell you and prepare your heart for the sermon. Verse 10. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his holy word. Being a Christian is an odd thing. This Thursday night, we will gather in this room, as some Christians will do in their places of worship, and one of the things we will do is wash one another's feet. Now, I guarantee you that this will be one of the few places that that is happening anywhere within an 1,000-mile radius. It's not going to be the majority action Thursday night, people washing one another's feet. And when you think about it, the main symbol of our faith as Christians is a tool of Roman execution, a cross. We even revere the cross. And we have one whole day when we formally try to remember how the one that we worship was executed on that cross, and we call it Good Friday. Churches have hosted what they call seven last words services where people come and sit and stare at the cross for three hours as they hear readings and sermons and sing and pray. They do it on that Friday. Uh, by the way, um, for those of you who may work or be around downtown at First Presbyterian Church this Friday from noon to one, just a one hour service, there will be a seven last words service. You know, the practice of thinking about the cross goes back at least to the 4th century. We know this from the writings of an obscure Spanish 
nun named um, Agiria who visited Jerusalem. She wrote back to the women in her monastic community about how pilgrims come out on the street on Friday before Easter and make a big deal about the cross. I mean, what kind of people will just sit and stare at a cross and do something that isn't supposed to help us get into ourselves, but it's supposed to help us get into God? I mean, if it's not about me, what's the point, right? I mean, isn't that the point? We're supposed to get something out of it? And maybe the point is we're supposed to put something into it. I think that's it. Being a Christian is an odd thing. We've stretched the experience of a seven last words service over the course of six weeks. And each Sunday we have been taking one of the last seven words that Jesus spoke from the cross. And today we come to the sixth word. Thursday night at our Monday Thursday service, I will preach on the seventh word. And the final word. But today we hear Jesus say, it is finished. What is it? What is finished? If you read verses, the 30th verse of John 19, and you heard it, and then you read the two verses before that, those three short verses, you find the word finish is used three times. For those reading in the NIV, the New International Version, it's translated in three different ways, but it is the same word in the Greek. Going back to verse 28, it says, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished and that the scriptures were finished, received the drink lifted to him on the branch of hyssop and cries that it is finished. What's finished? I'll tell you what's finished. The need to sacrifice in order for God to forgive us. You see, under the old covenant and in the days of the Old Testament, a sacrifice was required whenever someone unintentionally sinned. And according to a certain schedule, a person would have to bring an animal to the priest to be sacrificed. Every day a lamb was sacrificed at the temple in Jerusalem for the sins of the people. Then and only then could forgiveness come. But the sinner had to do it again and again, and the priest did it day after day, nobody ever really knowing if it was enough. Was God appeased? Would this really take care of it this time? Would it take care of it at all? Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, came to take away the sins of the whole world. Listen to these words from Hebrews 10 as they come to us in the message. We heard them in, in NIV. Listen to them in the message. It says, since that old law plan wasn't complete in itself, it couldn't complete those who followed it. No matter how many sacrifices were offered year after year, they never added up to a complete solution. If they had, the worshipers would have gone merrily on their way, no longer dragged down by their sins. But instead of removing awareness of sin, when those animal sacrifices were repeated over and over, they actually heightened awareness and guilt. The plain fact is that bull and goat blood can't get rid of sin. In fact, if you want a long and excellent explanation of what it is finished means, read the whole book of Hebrews. Just go back and read the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews, we read that Christ came to be our high priest and he entered into the most holy place, not with the blood of 
goats and calves, but with his own blood. And he said, enough with these sacrifices. I will be the ultimate. I will be the final sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 14. By one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Note the words perfect and forever. Christ finished the need to raise, to buy, to slaughter animals for sacrifice. The blood and the sacrifice of the Lamb of God has ended the need for sacrifice of animals once and for all. What's finished? I'll tell you what's finished. The separation between God and us. The other gospel writers tell us that after Jesus died, the curtain in the temple was torn right in two. This curtain divided a room that was in the center of the temple, which was called the Holy of Holies or the Most Holy Place, divided it from the rest of the temple. This was a sacred space. In that room was the Ark of the Covenant, which held the Ten Commandments of Moses. And it was there that the very presence and the glory of God was thought to dwell. And the only person who could enter the Holy of Holies was the high priest. And he could only do it once a year on the Day of Atonement to slaughter a lamb for the people. This curtain that was torn was not just some thin sheet of fabric. This was a big, heavy-duty, multi-layered, rug-like curtain. When the curtain tore in two at the death of Christ, it was God saying that the way to him was now open to all people because the Father offered his Son as the ultimate, as the final sacrifice. You and I have access to him, ourselves. We don't need an intermediary. What's finished? I'll tell you what's finished. My wondering that if I can just find the right technique, I can be loved by God. You know, everybody today is about technique and style and form. If you do something the right way, you can make it happen. That's what they tell us. And that can be true with many things, but not with God. You know, maybe Jesus should have explained the program to us or given us the right technique instead of dying for us. Fortunately, Jesus knows that we're just not that effective at saving ourselves by ourselves. The gospel is not about technique. And would you please forgive me for ever giving the impression that if we just pray a certain way or if we just read the Bible enough or if we work with the poor or the needy enough, God will be okay with us? God is okay with us because his son died on the cross, not because we live out the Christian life in a particularly fashionable way or any particular way. God isn't going to love us more if we kneel when we pray or if we raise our hands in praise or if we give more of our time to the church or if we have strong times of devotion or give our money to the poor. Those all certainly have value as, as things, and they are ways that we can experience God's grace and his hand in our lives. But those things only matter because God has first come to us and opened the way for us to have a relationship with him. Having to rely on my efforts, my diligence, my sincerity, technique is finished. What's finished? What's finished is that I, have, I can stop wondering if I'm doing enough to make it with God. That's finished. 
You know, many people are living with the heavy burden today of having to earn their way with God. Many religious religions prescribe praying a certain amount or doing certain things to make their way to heaven. There are people with deeply, who deeply desire God, who are very zealous religiously, who are wondering, am I moral enough? Am I devout enough? Am I doing enough to please God? And it can happen even to Christians who believe in the gospel of grace, so we say. I confess there's days that I subtly end up doing things because I think I'm earning God's pleasure. Yes, there is a way that God wants us to live, but our relationship with him is never earned. It is given. What's finished? Phil's efforts to make it with God. It's about what God in Christ has done for me to know and be in relationship with God. Watchman Nee, the, the Christian leader in China in the 20th century, said that Christianity begins not with what we do, but with what Christ has done. The first step of faith is realizing that Christ has done it all. And because of Jesus, we are totally adequate and fit for relationship with God. We can rest knowing that we don't have to make it happen. What's finished? That I have to live in denial about my sin and my wretchedness. I mean, God knows who I am and he knows what I am and that I'm a sinner. God knows we need forgiveness. He knows the dark places that we hide from everyone else and the weaknesses of our faith and our morality. Maybe some of you remember uh, back, I think it was in the 70s, the, the movie Oh God with George Burns, who came, who was God. Uh, the story of the movie is that God comes to a common, average grocery store manager who is played by uh, the old singer John Denver, and he wants him to be his messenger to the world. Uh, there are plenty of problems with the movie. I, I wouldn't build an understanding of God based on these movies, but they are entertaining. But there's a scene in that first Oh God movie where John Denver, he's taking a shower, and again, yet again, God, George Burns, shows up in his bathroom. And uh, John Denver is startled. And, uh, I mean, how would you react if, if you're in the shower and some, somebody just shows up in your bathroom, right? So he grabs a towel and gets out of the shower and he wraps himself with it. And uh, George Burns just looks at him and says, what are, you, what are you covering yourself for? You don't think I know what you got? How many of us put a towel around us in front of God thinking that he can't see right through us and into our very hearts and lives? We think, you know, if I come to church on Sunday, I'll bet he won't see or have a clue what I was like on Thursday. He made us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. You don't think he knows what we got? Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes in his chapter on confession in his book, Life Together. He says, it is the grace of the gospel that it confronts us with the truth and says, you are a sinner, a great, desperate sinner. Now come as the sinner that you are to the God who loves you. You can hide nothing from God. The mask you wear before others will do you no good before him 
He wants to see you as you are. He wants to be gracious to you. You can dare to be a sinner because all sham was ended in the presence of Christ. And it's why Jesus told us to pray. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. And it's why it says in 1 John that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But because it is finished, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. That's a promise. We need to learn to stand up and be able to say, my name is Phil and I'm a sinner. Because our guilt is finished and our forgiveness has been given. What's finished? I'll tell you what's finished. That I have to cover my account and pay my debts with God. That I have to do this or that to earn my way to God. That I have to check off all the right religious boxes before God will do anything or want anything to do with me. I'll tell you what's finished. That I need to wonder if I'm good enough for God that I can ever make myself worthy enough to be in relationship with God, that accomplishing peace with God is up to me. All this is finished because Christ has brought it to an end by being lifted up on that cross. He has done what I could never do for myself. The biblical Hebrew word for finished, you know, it is related. The root of that word is the Hebrew word shalom. Maybe you've heard that word, which is the Hebrew word for peace. But it doesn't just mean peace. Shalom means wholeness, good in every conceivable form, well-being in every way. What Jesus has finished on the cross is peace and wholeness between us and God. When Jesus makes it right, he makes everything right. Now, you might say, because we're people who need to do something right, we're Presbyterians, Well, what's my part? I mean, isn't there something I I can do? Yes. Have faith and trust this. Have faith that what you need to be right with God has been taken care of on the cross of the Son of God. We become right with God by true faith in Jesus Christ even though our consciences still accuse us and tell us that we've done so many things against God, that we have broken all those commandments and that we're still prone to dark thoughts and actions that are not of God. Nevertheless, God, without our help in any way, out of pure grace, gives us the benefits of the compensation, of the reparation that Christ has made on the cross. And God gives us Christ's righteousness, which is to say he sees us as he sees his very own son. He sees us as if we had never committed a single sin or had ever been sinful. And he sees us as if we had done as if we had done all that Christ had actually has actually done for us. And this becomes reality if we accept God's favor and grace with a trusting heart we say okay that's what my life is going to stand on got to let go about the of the ideas that we accomplish 
it all. And we've got to believe that Christ has accomplished it all. The Lord Jesus Christ has finished it. He has taken away our sins. He has lifted the curse of Adam. He has taken away any and all judgment. He has abolished the wall that stood between us and God. He has brought reconciliation between us and God. He has erased the debt that stood between us and God. He has given us peace. He has opened the way to life after this life. And he has given us access to God so that we can know his love and his presence and his activity every day, every moment of our lives. Christ has died for the sins of the whole world. The question is, who will take him up on it? That's the question, or really the invitation of faith and trust. I said the book of Hebrews illustrates what Christ finished on the cross, so let's end with a word from there. Again, this is from the message because it says it so plainly and clearly. So friends, we can now without hesitation walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. So let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Lord, we enter Holy Week. We want to thank you for the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy that we gain because of it. We want to honor you, Jesus, by remembering what you did and taking part in that through worship. And we want to say thank you. Thank you that the work of God for us to know you is complete. It is finished. You have done it. Amen.